Hi, I'm Dr. Steve Vargo, and welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. I hope everyone enjoyed their holidays and looking forward to a successful 2023. We have some great interviews lined up in the weeks ahead. This podcast is just me, just like the last one, but I have a very important topic that I'd like to discuss that I, I don't think gets enough attention and all respect to the optometry schools, but I, I don't think they do a very good job teaching this topic. And I think it's something that can be a huge differentiator between success and mediocrity in independent optometry ownership. And that topic is communication. And more specifically, patient communication, how to communicate more effectively with our patients to improve patient outcomes, to improve patient care. And if I could, let me give you a little bit of background on my interest in this area. When I was practicing, probably like a lot of you, I, I felt like I was in a bit of a bubble as far as what's going on in the rest of the optometry world. What are other ODs doing? Are they having success? How are they having success? Are other doctors struggling with the same things I am? When I transitioned into to this new role of, of consulting, I started working with a lot of different doctors, and I, I began to see the landscape from a broader viewpoint. And I started to observe differences between successful ODs and, and their practices and those who struggled. A couple key areas would be specialty care, for example. One doctor would have a very successful dry eye practice, and another might dabble a little bit, but never really made it a meaningful part of the practice. Technology was another area where some practices or doctors would invest into some technology, and it would be a big part of their practice, and it would generate a lot of revenue for the practice. And, and in some other practices, this same technology just became a dust collector. So I would ask people, and I found myself asking vendors and sales reps, why is that doctor successful with that product or that technology or that service? And another doctor on the other side of town was struggling with it, was struggling to make it a meaningful part of the practice. And a lot of times the answer I would get back would have to do with, with the doctor. That doctor is just more passionate about it. That doctor is better at, at making a convincing case for the patient or more effective at getting the patient's buy-in. And while I generally agreed with that feedback, it wasn't good enough for me. I, I wanted to know more specifically, what are these doctors doing? What are they saying that's driving enhanced outcomes? And it really took me down the road of, of wanting to understand how to be a better communicator. And it, it led me into a lot of the research around communication. Uh, one example it would be the area of public speaking. When we look at people that are great public speakers, what is it that's different about them that makes them good at what they do? And we've all been there before. We've sat through enough presentations and lectures. We've we've been in the audience before where we were having a hard time keeping our our eyes open and looking at our watch and wondering how much longer we were going to be forced to sit there. But we've also been in the audience before where we, we were clinging to every word the speaker said, and we couldn't wait to hear what they had to say next. How are they delivering that message differently? Another example would be business leaders who are responsible for motivating people, motivating employees to drive results that are necessary for the success of the business. How are they communicating differently with the people on their team? 
I even looked at crazy things like hostage negotiators. And while we'll probably never be asked to show up for a situation where a a bank is being robbed and somebody has hostages inside the bank, but there are people who have that expertise, the ability to communicate with somebody in a dire situation like that and get them to walk out of that situation with their hands in the air without causing any harm to anybody. Now, obviously, not everything from that situation or some of the others is going to apply specifically to an eye exam. But what I like to do is collect these strategies. I like to learn about them. What does the research say and how to be more influential, how to be more effective in communicating from a lot of different uh, different industries and different areas, and then take from that strategies that we can apply to the exam room. A lot of these things actually will apply to, to any situation, including interactions with patients in an optometry practice. So beyond just understanding the research better, I did a somewhat of a, an interesting experiment on myself is I turned myself into the lab. And I started taking a lot of these principles and strategies and applying them to my own life, in many cases in low-stakes situations. It might have been with a friend, with a spouse, with my kids. And I just tried communicating differently using these strategies. And I observed for myself what worked and what didn't. And that's really something I would encourage you to do. Whether it's things I mentioned here or other things that you've learned how to be a better communicator is to take those things and apply them to your own life. Do your own experimentation to find out what works better for you. The results will tell the story. If you change the way you communicate, just observe the results. Are people more receptive to what you're saying? Do you get less pushback or resistance to your ideas? Are you selling more, more products, more services? How, how is this translating to the financial success of your practice? So building on the example from above of, of two dry eye practices, one is successful and one is unsuccessful. If I was to ask the practice that had a harder time finding success in dry eye, what the reasons for that might be, I might get reasons like the other practice that's doing better. Well, they're in a better location or they have more staff, or their patient demographics are a little different. And there might be some truth to that, but there's a way to get more of an apples-to-apples comparison, and it's something that comes up very common in eye care. Two doctors working at the same practice, seeing the same patient base. They work in the same office, they have access to the same staff, they have access to the same technology, But when you go into the practice management system, the numbers don't lie. One OD producing at a high level, why the other isn't. What's the difference? All things being equal, is it possible that one doctor is just a more effective communicator than the other? Both doctors educate, but one doctor is more effective at getting the patient's buy-in. What I'd like to do for you in this podcast in the second half is to play a module from a course that I created. And the course gets into a lot of these areas that I'm talking about. If, if you're wondering, okay, what does that actually sound like to be a better communicator? I want to take a minute here to, to discuss the difference between patient education and effective communication. Because I think a lot of times when, when as doctors we, we talk about communication, we immediately think of education. How do we educate patients? What information do we share with them? But patient education is really just a component of communication. It's not the whole thing. 
Patient education really only guarantees that people will hear what you say. Being an effective communicator increases the chances that people will actually do what you say. And take a minute to consider the difference there. It's, it's the difference between the patient who just politely nods his head up and down while you talk, but doesn't take action, doesn't do anything, versus the patient who hears what you say and then actually takes action on it. That right there is the difference between a successful dry eye practice and an unsuccessful one. It's the doctor who spends a lot of time educating, but patients don't follow the doctor's guidance versus the doctor who communicates effectively and gets the patient's buy-in. I suppose on the optical side, we would call that the ability to sell, but in the exam room, it's really just the ability to influence. The ramifications for being an effective communicator will affect both clinical outcomes and the financial outcomes for your practice. In the course I created, I posed some challenging questions. Is it possible to over-educate? Education is fundamentally built around sharing information and making the other person more knowledgeable, but are there times where communication would be enhanced by doing more listening and less talking? There's a consensus among a lot of practitioners that we need to be, be very assertive with our prescribing habits. And I hear that a lot when people say, don't recommend something, prescribe it. And, and I think the thinking there is we need to be very assertive in what we're prescribing. And I don't fundamentally disagree with that, but it, is it always the right approach? What about the patient who's not ready to change yet? And they're out there. Is it possible that an assertive approach toward getting that patient to do something will actually be counterproductive? And presenting solutions. We're taught to be very thorough and very detailed in how we present solutions to patients, but is it possible that we'll increase our chances of getting the patient buy-in by saying less? This is what I've come to find fascinating about human communication, is that so often it requires us to do or say the exact opposite of what we think we should do or say in a given situation. What I'd like to do is share with you one of the modules from the course in, in this podcast. If you're an IDOC member, I'm happy to send you the course for free. Just send me an email at svargo, S-V-A-R-G-O at idoc.net. Happy to send you the entire course for free. If you do listen to it, again, what I would encourage you to do, do your own experimentation. You can try this out with, with friends, with coworkers, before you try it on patients, or just try it on patients. Change the way you communicate try to do or say some things differently, the results will tell the answer. That will tell you whether or not what you're doing is working. Is it changing the outcomes in a way that benefits the patient, in a way that, that leads them to do something that improves their vision, health, or quality of life? And, and through that, another natural outcome would be it, it should improve your results as a clinician and as a practice owner as well, if you're getting better results from patients. And the reason I say you can try this on, on friends or neighbors or a spouse is because these are really just patterns. These are really just laws of human nature. While all of us are different in some ways, we're all, you know, have our own unique personalities, our own unique sense of humor. As human beings, we all follow certain patterns. Research has found that we all follow certain patterns regarding how we process information and make decisions. And when we align the way we communicate with those patterns, we're much more effective at getting people to go along with what we'd like them to do when we violate those patterns and we do it all the time, we're much more likely to encounter resistance. If our goal as healthcare professionals 
is to get patients to do or change something that improves their vision, their health, their quality of life. It may not be as complicated as we think it is. It may just require making some small changes in how we communicate. From the course, Effective Communication for Eye Care Professionals, this is lesson number four. Keep it simple. A clear message is a powerful message. Clarity and simplicity are the antidotes to complexity and uncertainty. General George Casey. Lesson number four, a clear and simple message is a powerful message. Have you ever spent time educating a patient on a product or service you offer, and when you were done, the patient just had a glazed look on their face? Was it disinterest? Were they confused? Your message just didn't seem to connect with the patient. In this lesson, I'm going to show you how to create a clear and compelling message that quickly connects with the person you're trying to impact. Healthcare professionals, and really anyone who possesses a high degree of technical knowledge in their field, are often guilty of two communication errors that leave patients confused, cognitive overload and the curse of knowledge. Cognitive overload involves giving people so much information that not only does it become confusing, but they couldn't possibly retain it all. And the curse of knowledge is understanding something so well that you forget what it's like to not know this, and you overestimate how much others understand what you're saying. I call failure to provide clarity one of the deadly sins of patient communication because the opposite of clarity is confusion. And to the human brain, confusion feels risky. Our brains are hardwired to seek clarity and avoid risk. The approach I'll share with you in this lesson will require you to present only the most important and relevant information and strip away the rest. You might not know the name Brant Pinvidic, but Brant is an award-winning film director and television producer. In Brant's early career, his job was to pitch ideas for new shows to TV networks. He would walk into meetings filled with TV producers and executives and make a presentation that he and his team spent months creating. There were a lot of slides filled with information and detail outlining the premise of the show and how they intended to produce it and why people would watch it. They would try to squeeze as much detail as they could into the amount of time that they were granted. After delivering this highly informative pitch, they were certain the people in the room would be tripping over themselves to buy the rights to the show, but that's not what usually happened. What would typically happen became a true source of frustration for Brant and his team. The audience that they were presenting to didn't get it. By the end of the presentation, it was obvious by the looks on their faces. And when they would start asking questions, that further confirmed their confusion. What seemed so obvious to Brant and his team was very confusing to the audience. In most cases, the result was the TV network declined to produce the show. Have you ever felt this way in the exam room, educating a patient? You were very thorough and informative with the patient, but the patient just didn't seem to get it. Well, for Brandt, all this changed in one meeting with a high-level executive he had been wanting to meet with. Instead of waiting for an invitation, he asked this person if he could come to his office later that day to tell him about a new idea he had for a TV series. The busy executive seemed a little put off by the request, but nonetheless agreed to meet with him for just a few minutes. Brant wanted more time, but accepted the offer. 
when he got off the phone with the executive, he looked at his team and said, three minutes. We need to deliver this pitch in three minutes. They thought he was nuts. What about all the details and information about how we'll create the show and how we'll find the characters and data supporting why people will watch it and who will watch it and financial projections and on and on. We have so much to say. We can't possibly do it in three minutes. He said, well, three minutes is all we have. And they immediately began stripping down the pitch to only the most critical details. The pitch had to be persuasive and get the executive interested and excited. When they felt that they had accomplished that, Brant grabbed his coat and headed to the meeting. When he finished delivering this pitch to the executive, the response was different than he had become accustomed to. There was no confused look. There were no questions. The executive just paused, leaned back in his chair and said, I think you've got something here. Later that day, he extended an offer to purchase the show, which went on to become the hit television show, Extreme Makeover. After this pivotal meeting, Brandt developed what he called the three-minute rule when giving pitches. Keep it very simple and clear. Brandt went on to launch other successful shows, many of which you've probably seen, such as The Biggest Loser and Bar Rescue, using this exact same method. He realized one of the most important factors in getting others to buy into his ideas was to keep it simple and not confuse them. I'm going to say something here that's probably going to sound controversial. I think patient education is overrated. I know that goes against everything we've ever been told. In school, we were penalized for not educating patients on every single aspect of their vision and health. Doctors tell me all the time how they need to set longer exam slots for patients who need more education, like diabetics and elderly patients. But what good is all this education if it doesn't inspire action? Is the goal to fill people's heads with a lot of information, or is it to get them to make changes that will improve their vision, health, or quality of life? Are people acting on the information you're giving them, or just hearing you and then quickly forgetting what you told them? Studies have found that when sharing verbal information with people that's new or unfamiliar, they'll forget 90% of what you told them within three days of hearing it. Much of the information is forgot within 24 hours. Our brains are not wired to retain massive amounts of information for very long. Have you ever experienced this in practice where you spent a lot of time educating someone who appeared to understand, but then returned for a follow-up appointment having forgotten a lot of what you discussed or misunderstood what you said? Have you ever heard patients give a description of something another doctor told them? And even though you had a good sense of what they were talking about, their description was so off that it was almost comical. Now, don't get me wrong. Patient education is very important and a cornerstone of what healthcare professionals do. But as a tool for change, it's not always as effective as we would like it to be. Sometimes our well-intended efforts to be thorough just leave people confused. I'll share with you a valuable lesson I learned from speaking to large groups of people. When I transitioned from practicing optometrist to full-time practice management consultant, part of my new role involved public speaking. I had been to a lot of events where I watched other presenters on stage, and I remember thinking, how hard can it be until I had to do it? The first time I spoke for a group, it was only in front of about 30 people, and it was awful. I tried to cram as much information as I could into one hour. 
my slides were bullet point nightmares filled with a lot of data and statistics. I was very thorough, but I could tell the audience was bored. My message was not connecting with them. Soon after this, I started working with a speaking coach and communication expert. And one of the first things he told me was, you need to stop saying so much. He said, these are human beings you're talking to, not information receptacles. They couldn't possibly retain all the information anyway, so you're just wasting their time and yours, and frankly, you're just boring them. Candid feedback, right? But I needed to hear it. He was right. With the help of this communication expert, we began the process, much like Brandt and his team did for their TV pitches, of simplifying my message. Instead of multiple bullet points per slide, which only had the effect of driving audience members to check their watches to see how much longer they'd be forced to listen to me, we worked to find the core message and stripped away the rest. If you ever hear me speak now, I'll make one or two key points per slide. I don't use much text or bullet points. I use a lot of visuals and I tell stories. If I share data, it's going to be something that's shocking or surprising to the audience. You see, I realize it's not the job of the audience to find my presentation interesting. It's my job to make it interesting so they want to hear what I have to say. The same applies with your patients. Don't force them to listen to you. Make them want to hear what you have to say. What I'll suggest to you is to come up with your own three-minute pitch. And this certainly isn't necessary for every patient encounter, but I want you to think about the patient where there's an expectation gap. You have certain expectations for a patient, and they, for whatever reason, don't appear to be on board. And you need to pitch them on why they should follow your guidance. We're going to keep it simple and include only the most relevant and compelling information. There are five key questions that you need to answer for the patient in this pitch. I'll go through them individually, but it's also important to know that as consumers, even healthcare consumers, these are the common questions circling in our heads that if go unanswered, often result in not taking action. Here are the five questions. What is it? How does it work? How is it different? How do I know it works? And why do I need it? Let's start with what is it? Now, this can be two or three sentences. I want you to think of this as your hook, something that's going to make the person want to hear what you have to say next. Let's use myopia management as an example. Ms. Smith, your son's prescription has increased again this year, and we can prescribe him thicker lenses, and that will help him see better for now, but we also have an option that could potentially stop his eyes from getting worse. It's called myopia management. That's it. I'm, I'm not going into extreme detail at this time. I'm just mentioning the main benefit, and I'm going to do it in a way that gets mom or dad to lean in and want to hear more. Next is, how does it work? This could also just be a few sentences. Keep it very basic and understandable. If you have visuals to supplement your message, use those to provide further clarity. Visuals in general can be very powerful because the optic nerve connects directly to the emotional part of the brain that, as you recall, is very pivotal in our decision-making process. Now, you might be getting a little uncomfortable right now thinking, I don't know, Dr. Steve, this doesn't sound like it meets the standards of patient education. I need to be spending a lot of time explaining and educating all of this detail to the patient. Let me reassure you that you'll have all the time you want to educate the patient on whatever you deem necessary. 
hopefully they'll ask follow-up questions or you can provide information they can take home or have a tech go into more detail or cover additional information at a follow-up. But for this initial three-minute pitch, I want to change the objective. You see, we've developed a yes addiction with patients, especially those we aspire to change. We ask a few questions, do a few tests, and then launch into a lengthy presentation on why they should follow our recommendations. And when we don't get a yes, it feels like we failed. The point of this approach is not to get a yes right out of the gate. It's to start a conversation and a collaboration. So don't feel like you're undereducating with this approach. Rather, you're moving the conversation forward. Even the TV producer I discussed earlier had to have follow-up meetings with TV networks and share additional information before the show could be put on the air. But what he found was that 99% of the time, if he didn't get them in the first three minutes, he didn't get them at all. So let's continue. The third question is, how is it different? There's a saying in the world of sales that the most important question you have to answer for the consumer is, what's in it for me? But this is actually the second most important question. The most important question is, how is it different? When we're presented with competing options, especially when someone is asking us to spend more money on something, our brains need to understand why we should agree to this bigger commitment. And it does this by looking for contrast. Show me how it's different. If you're a practicing optometrist or really anyone who's received an eye exam, you can probably appreciate this in a simple refraction. When the doctor presents two options and asks you which is better, one or two, if there's a clear difference and the choice is obvious, the patient responds quickly and confidently. You've experienced this whether you've been the doctor or the patient, but what happens when the choice is less obvious? Ever notice how the patient suddenly becomes more indecisive and noncommittal? The same applies to any scenario where you're giving someone multiple options and asking them to pick one. Three decades of research tells us that our brains are constantly scanning our environment and comparing things to help us make the right decisions. Without contrast, there's confusion. In the words of author and influence expert Robert Cialdini, confused people don't buy anything. Don't leave people confused. Demonstrate the difference and make the choice obvious. The fourth question is, how do I know it works? This is the part of the pitch where you demonstrate proof. Remember, people are bombarded these days with claims, claims from businesses and politicians, even healthcare professionals. People need proof, otherwise they'll be skeptical. Overcoming skepticism really deserves its own lesson, so that is going to be the topic of the next lesson. The final question that needs to be answered for the patient in your initial pitch is, why do I need this? Now, you might be tempted here to start rattling off all the great features or benefits of whatever product or service you're recommending. That would be the wrong approach. That puts the focus on the product and not the patient. People are always going to be more passionate about their problems than they are about your products. There's a saying that, enthusiasm sells. And there's a lot of truth to that, but the enthusiasm should be directed at solving the patient's problem, not the product you sell. Instead of focusing on the product, I'm going to use the patient's own words to make my case. For example, 
Miss Smith, you mentioned getting horrible headaches, and that's been interfering with your job where you have to do a lot of computer work. And you also mentioned this has been affecting your overall mood. So what this solution means to you is that you'll be able to work comfortably without having to depend so heavily on pain meds and also hopefully get back to feeling normal again. What are your thoughts, Miss Smith? What I'm doing here is painting a picture for the patient. I'm creating a vision of what their life could look like if they took this action. Without some vision, people won't make decisions. We wouldn't buy a 10-cent trinket without some kind of vision for how we would use it, right? The key to being influential is not getting other people to come into your world and make decisions around things that are important to you. It's your ability to climb into their world and help them see a vision of a world that's a little better for them if they just change a few things. It's not pushy, it's not manipulative, and it allows for the patient to feel a sense of control over outcomes, which is important to getting people to take action and the focus of a future lesson. There's an additional benefit to repeating people's words back to them when you present solutions, as I did in my example. That person doesn't just feel understood, but from a neurological standpoint, they also get a hit of a brain chemical called oxytocin, which is called the bonding drug. It helps establish a connection between you and the patient in ways that sharing information about product features and benefits simply can't. Another benefit of compacting solutions in shorter and simpler formats is that you'll have more time on the front end to ask more questions and learn more about the patient. And if they're not interested at this time, you've still planted a seed for something they may consider in the future, but you haven't wasted a lot of time. In the world of sales, it's not a sin to not get the sale. It's a sin to take a long time to not get the sale. Lengthy explanations, as opposed to simple, focused explanations, often leave people confused. And once you've confused someone, you've killed the one thing they need to move forward, a clear vision. Something my speaking coach told me that stuck with me was that great communicators don't take the simple and make it complex. They take the complex and make it simple. In the next lesson, we'll tackle the issue of skepticism and how to overcome that with patients who need a little more convincing that what they're hearing, even from their doctor, is the best approach.